In today's show, we're going to be talking Los Angeles Lakers with the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are here to talk Lakers today, a very interesting team that is extraordinarily different to what they were last year. So let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, so let's bring him in now, one of the hosts of the Locked On Lakers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky is here with me. Brian, welcome to the show for the first time. Hey, Josh. Nice to be here. Thanks. So we're going to talk about this Lakers team, which is, as I just said in my intro, extraordinarily different to the team that was there last year with basically the whole roster changed over. There's about four or five guys, I think, that are the same players that were there last year. And uh, there's lots for us to to get into. Um Let's let's get into it straight away. Let's start with, you know, as I start all these shows, with the host telling me what they think the opening night projected starting five is going to be. Well, I mean, obviously for the Lakers, it's going to be the big three. Russell Westbrook, now your point guard, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And then it's it's a matter of figuring out who the other two guys are. I think ultimately they'll at least pretend that Anthony Davis is is gonna, you know, have a center around him a little more often than not. So that means Marcus Saul starts because in a in a world with Russell Westbrook, you need somebody who can step away from the basket. Of the two centers the Lakers currently have on the roster, uh, Marcus Gasol and Dwight Howard, from a fit standpoint, Gasol makes, I mean, light years more sense. So I think he is currently the starting center, and you know, assuming he's on the roster, will remain so. Um, and then I think, given uh, Frank Vogel's uh, preference for defense, he goes with Kent Bazemore at the two. Uh, especially if Bazemore starts the season shooting well, you know, forty over forty percent last year with Golden State. If that continues, his ability to de- uh, to defend gets him in the starting lineup. We'll talk about that Bazemore spot in a second. Is Marcus actually going to play? Because we hear you know, he's coming back, and then there was whispers that maybe he's not coming back, and he's a little bit uh, unhappy, perhaps, with the the Andre Drummond situation from last season. Do we have any definitive proof that he's actually returning this season? Well, I mean, he has a contract. I mean, he could retire. Though. He could, he could retire. You're right. I, Andy and I actually talked about this on Tuesday's show. Like, there's there's enough going on here. Where you know, earlier in the in the summer, there was the um, the news that the Lakers had kind of dangled him, perhaps to Minnesota, really just to, to dump his salary. Um, and you know, now the you know that he might retire, and then that they're interested in DeAndre Jordan, which makes zero sense, particularly if Gasol is still on the roster. It doesn't make a lot of sense anyway, and we could talk about that if you want. But um, it, there's enough going on here that makes me think that either the Lakers would love to get out from from Gasol's uh, contract, whether because they want somebody else or whatever it might be, or that Gasol just doesn't want to come back. Um, but right now. He's on the team. But yeah, you're right. I mean, th- that is a major thing that could change before the beginning of the year. Oh, we're well aware their best center is Anthony Davis, but you're right that if they are going to start a nominal center next to him, it is Gasol because you know, a Howard combination with Westbrook out there is pretty rough. But let's go that last oh, spot. God. 
I, no one wants to see it. Like I, Lakers fans don't. Nobody wants to see Westbrook and uh, and Howard out there together. But that other spot, you know, you've put Kent Bazemore in there. I could easily say that it's Wayne Ellington. You could easily say mm-hmm. that it's Malik Monk. You could easily say, well, the Lakers just paid Taylor Horton Tucker. Maybe they want to put him there. Hey, what about Mello? What about Trevor Ariza? I reckon there's legitimately seven blokes who could slot into that fifth spot. Do you think that it's what now? And you said Bazemore, you know, he shot 40%. He's not a reliable shooter and hasn't been in his career. He's had good years and he's had terrible years shooting. Do you think this is a situation that if Bazemore becomes a reliable shooter this year, that it's going to be his spot? Or will it be Vogel rotating that depending on on matchups? And then you'll get an Allington run, you'll get a Monk run, and you'll, you'll just be mixing it up you know, pretty random, not randomly, but regularly through the season. I, you know, ideally, I think they'd love to settle on a on a lineup and a rotation, but there, that is possible. I mean, the, the blueprint was there from the playoffs a couple of years ago in the bubble where yeah. you know Vogel was pretty liberal about shifting up his rotation, sitting certain guys, making adjustments to the starting lineup depending on who the opponent is. And I certainly think they could do that this year. But I, I think what you're getting at is one of the major questions and challenges for the Lakers this season is they are – First of all, they're throwing a fair amount of stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks. Like, you know, Kent Bazemore's three-point shooting holds up. You know, Malik Monk's shooting last year was the trend where he's actually going as opposed to two years ago, um, you know, where he, I forget exactly what it was, was 28% or something terrible, you know, from three-point range. Like, so that that, the the guy that was there last year in Charlotte, that's where that's going. Um, Trevor Ariza's defense holds up in his 17th season, you know, all of these things, I think they're thinking that if they have enough volume of, of potential good outcomes, they'll get what they need. But I don't think they know for sure which one of those things is going to work. And that brings us on to looking at your bench rotation. And, and this is really interesting. So the five guys that you think will probably be those first five guys, people need to realize when they're talking about this Lakers rotation that there are two to three guys who you might expect to play that just won't play every night. So who are the five mm-hmm. that you have here that uh, you think will be in that initial rotation? All right, guys, I, I'm 100% sure will play from the beginning of the season. Kendrick Nunn has a very well-defined role behind Russell Westbrook. I think this is probably more about Russ than it is Nunn. If, if Russ's defense is a little more attentive, I think you can find ways to play the two of those guys together which is potentially interesting. Taylor Horton Tucker is going to play. Like you say, they paid him. He also has a lot of positional versatility where he can run the point a little bit if you need him to. He's obviously slotted as a two. Um, His arms are 14 feet long. He can play the three if his defense, again, holds up. So, you know, we, we talked about this on Tuesday as well. He's kind of a wild card. If his defense is good, if his shooting is good, it changes completely who gets minutes and where. Um, I think Carmelo Anthony is absolutely going to play at the beginning of the season. And Dwight Howard has a very natural spot as, you know, 15 to 22 minutes a game, depending on Gasol and depending on when Anthony Davis sits as a backup center. Um, That other spot, I have Trevor Ariza there right now because I think they would like him to be part of closing lineups uh, because he is a good, still good defender in the front court. Um, and presumably that's when Anthony Davis slides over to the five. But Malik Monk's not listed there. Wayne Ellington isn't listed there. All of those guys are going to play at different points of the season, but they're not all going to be playing all the time. Rajon Rondo, not on that list either. Um, you know, there's a lot that they have to figure out. And I think initially Frank Vogel probably go 11, maybe even sometimes 12 guys deep. 
Um, but that traditional 10-man rotation is going to squeeze some people. There's no question. Yeah, and then people in their fantasy drafts will be thinking, oh, maybe I'll take Malik Monk with the last pick or I'll take a Wayne Allen to there. But there's may not be a role for these guys. Like That's that's a possibility. This is a team that they've got 12 to 13 rotation level guys. And then after that, the next guy is you know, Jolly Ayan or Austin Reeves. So it drops off pretty significantly after that. But there's a bunch of these players who you would expect to play. So there's going to be some rotation. There's going to be that sort of thing that, that has to happen for these guys to get in. So don't expect huge roles from these guys. One of them could, but we're, again, we're talking six guys that could Which be- Which one? Right. There's so many different options here and it's really, really tough to be able to project who that is going to be. But I can project that the best place to place your bets for football, because football season starting, is bet online college football is going right now nfl starts next week and you can get all the updated odds props and contests including online's biggest half million dollar nfl mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest they're open now at bet online so make sure you head over to that website and sign up but they've also got a opening night super promo you make a bet on the opening night game in the nfl thursday september the 9th the super bowl champion tampa bay buccaneers take on the dallas cowboys and if you lose that bet you get refunded up to $25 for new customers who sign up using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, and right to your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait. Wait, don't wait. Take advantage of all of the offers they have over at BetOnline. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. It's also a familiar problem. If you are watching college football, you're watching the NFL, but you also want to watch your favorite show or you want to watch movies and you have to have all these different devices. It's it's clutter. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to put all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites all together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Let's talk injuries, Brian, because of course, one of the big things that went through this Lakers team last season was the injury to Anthony Davis, where he sat out big chunks at the end of the regular season, came back in the playoffs, and then was hurt again with this Achilles slash calf issue. Um, any updates on that? Do we expect it to be a problem heading into the season? No. I mean, presumably he's going to be healthy. The Lakers, I think one of the mistakes that I know I made, and I think a lot of people made when you know I, I drafted 83rd in my league last year, was profoundly disappointed, was I, I expected him to kind of come out of the bubble with this drive to win a, you know an MVP and and just be you know put up huge numbers and I think I underestimated a lot of people underestimated the impact of that short offseason on him um he never really was healthy coming into the season he got banged up like you say this offseason though has been much longer the Lakers obviously exiting faster in the playoffs um he should be healed and and good to go I have seen nothing heard nothing that indicates that that you know physically he wouldn't be right for the beginning of the season. And we know Anthony Davis has had injury problems through his career, like weird shoulder issues and, and knee problems and all this sort of thing. So he is always a, a risk of something going on, but I think some of that is, is overblown. And the injury last season was obviously a precautionary one in the regular season, and then obviously it flared up more in the playoffs there. Mm-hmm. But I think you mentioned something else there, that even when he did play, like he wasn't the same Anthony Davis. Like the, the numbers were not anywhere near the same. Like his free throw percentage fell off a cliff for some reason. His block rate dropped way down. His rebound numbers were quite poor. 
everything was very, very different in that season versus uh, what it was the year before. So he was a per-game disappointment as well as missing all that time. So hopefully we can get the, the injury part fixed, but there's other other factors we have to look at in terms of his, uh, his production this year in terms of stats, which we're going to get to in just a second. So uh, let's, let's see. we'll get to that in a sec, but let, let's talk about LeBron because we hear this, Brian, so many times. I've heard it for years and years and years. LeBron, he's, he's going to take it easy. He's going to take his foot off the gas. He's going to hand the ball and the keys to somebody else in the regular season. He'll only play 30 minutes a night. He'll take games off. He won't be the primary ball handler, and it literally has never happened. Is there any chance? I say no. Is there any chance that he just says, I'm, I'm going to be like a catch-and-shoot guy. Russ, you can do this. I'll play 30 minutes. Yeah, Frank, I'll go easy. It, it, just, it doesn't feel like there's any realism in that at all, but is, there, is it possible? Uh, he, he was on track last year to play fewer minutes. I, I think that is something. You know, LeBron at 32, you know, anywhere between you know, 30 and 33 minutes a night, I think the Lakers would love to see that. Um, I, I, ideally, I think that is something they would like to do. Um, there's obviously going to be a lot that they have to figure out with him and Westbrook when they're playing on the floor together, who's got the ball in their hands. Um, what, what does the other guy do when, when the other player is, is leading their offense? And does that lead to easy buckets for LeBron? There's certainly, there will be some in transition with the two of those guys pushing up the floor. Um, and I, so I, I think there's a lot to work out there. I would suspect LeBron's assist numbers will go down some this year, just because uh, Russ is so uh, high volume, you know, in, with with those types of things, and he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. But like the idea that LeBron's going to be off to the side, not doing much, not have an active role, not put up really good numbers across the board, I just don't see that happening. He's LeBron James. Like you, you're doing it wrong if you're Frank Vogel if you design an offense that takes the ball out of his hands too much. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, certainly not definitely in the in the playoffs, but even in the regular season. Yeah, because this it's not like this team is just going to waltz and be a seventy win team. Like maybe it happens, but it it seems unlikely that a team with all these new parts and pieces and with injury concerns and fit concerns they're going to be able to just yeah, cruise through. So LeBron he did play one fewer minute last season than he did the year before, and maybe that's on track. And he plays thirty three or thirty two this year, but he's not going to take these wholesale um, yeah big steps back. And in terms of yeah, people are really worried about about resting. And again, LeBron hasn't been someone that's just sat random games consistently throughout his career. He did have an injury, of obviously, which cost him mm-hmm. a bunch of time last season. But we're not... Ex- well, I'm not expecting... Maybe you, you're different. I'm not expecting LeBron no. to just be routinely... Well, every back-to-back, he's just sitting precautionarily. I, just, I, I, just think, he, think-, I think he plays... You know, if Solomon Hill doesn't dive-bomb his ankle last year, yeah. LeBron probably plays 75 games. I, I would expect something like that this year. In, in terms of... Like, if he stays healthy, I agree with you. He's not just going to sit... They'll find a game here and a game there where maybe he, you know, he, you know, they sit him down, load management and all that. But generally speaking, if he's healthy, he's going to play. I absolutely believe that. Yep. I agree with you 100%. Because people have this idea, well, now they've got all these guys, they'll just keep them healthy for the playoffs. And in general, that's just, unless they're hurt, like that's just not something that happens regularly. But you got to play. And also, to, like the Lakers have, you mentioned it, they have like 9,000 new players. So you can't just preserve everyone until the until the postseason and then magically turn it on and yeah. expect this thing to work the way that it's supposed to in the playoffs. Like I remember a couple of years ago, we thought that's kind of how the Lakers would go. They'd go real slow with LeBron and AD. They'd 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 be careful with everyone. They came out really hard out of the gate, pushed very hard, and played a lot of minutes with guys to try to make get the team 
on the same page and together. And the Lakers have a lot of rotation decisions they have to make, a lot of lineup calls that they have to figure out, and they need guys on the floor together. Like I think if they if they can't find sixty games, sixty you know ish games with Westbrook, Davis, and LeBron in the lineup together, that could hurt them a lot in the playoffs. And so I, I think they're going to play. They'll be careful, but they're gonna. They're, those guys are gonna play. I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, now, it's been a lot of memes, Brian, about the age of this team and every player coming in who is you know, well past their prime. You know, 2012 All-Star type scenarios here with you know, Trevor Ariza. Rajon Rondo's only the sixth oldest player on the team. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> right. um, so like, Westbrook's, an injection of youth. Wow. Westbrook's <laughs> almost 33. Ariza's 36. Mallow's 37. Wayne Ellington's 34. Dwight's almost 36. Marcus Gasol is 36. Rondo's you know, 35 and a half. Kent Bazemore is amazing. Amazingly, 32. Yes, they did bring back Horton Tucker, who's only 20. Kendrick Nunn is 26. And Anthony Davis is smack bang in the prime of his career. But these are a lot of old players who are clearly nowhere near their best level. Um, mm-hmm. Is this just having so many or relying upon so many guys who could, and some of them have already fallen off a cliff, but could even further fall off a cliff, like having all of these guys with very little upside for them to have breakouts or to improve or to surprise. Is that a concern with structuring this roster this way with just all of these older players? It it is and it isn't. It is because fundamentally, I mean, it isn't, I would say, because fundamentally it's still about LeBron, AD, and, um, and, and, and Westbrook. And LeBron is not your ordinary 37-year-old or 36 or whatever. No, he, does, he like, doesn't count. Like, yeah. He doesn't count. Um, and so, you know, Westbrook, I think there is some concern about Westbrook just because his game is built so much on that force and athleticism and the sheer will that he plays with that any drop off in speed and athleticism hurts him more than it might hurt other players. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a concern. Like I mentioned it before with Trevor Ariza, for example, they are they're I think, planning for him to play a significant role defensively in fourth quarters. Like, is that a good idea hopefully i think they think it is you know you know you know carmelo anthony they're not relying on for defense but they expect him to be a, a legitimate floor spacer and they can do that but like you can't play him late in games um most of the time so they're going to have to figure out how to to keep these guys healthy through the season and give themselves the best opportunity to win if one of their big three gets hurt or isn't playing well or whatever it doesn't really matter if you know wayne ellington is too old but when you start talking about the margin difference between the lakers and, a, and an elite western conference team in the conference finals or the brooklyn nets presumably in a in an nba finals whether or not those guys are playing well and they can fill out the rotation effectively really does matter and so the age like you say kind of limits the upside and you just have to cross your fingers because when guys go downhill at 32, 33, 34, 35, 30, sometimes it happens really quick. Yeah. Um, and so that I think that's the concern. Now, Brian, I ask this question to every guest who's on the show. Who, or not who, can you fix your own car? Well, I mean, if I have one of those fuel pumps... 
from rockauto.com, maybe. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Because if you are looking for a fuel pump or brake parts or tail lamps or motor oil or whatever, rockauto.com is the place to go. There's no point going to your local chain auto parts store. They're just going to charge you too much and you're going to have to deal with often intimidating questioning from the bloke behind the counter. Go to rockauto.com. They've been in business serving do-it-yourselfers online for 20 years and their prices are always reliably low for every customer. There's no point spending 30, 50, 70, even 100% more for the same part. So go to their website and find all of the parts that are available for your car or truck. But most importantly, when you're checking out, because you're going to check out because the prices are amazing, but when you are ready to check out, there's a How Did You Hear About Us box. And in that box, write Locked On so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Secondary question, Brian, what's your favorite built bar? I like the Cherry Barcia. Ooh, I don't think anyone's answered Cherry Barcia. I don't mind the cherry. It's probably mid-tier for me, but that's this is the beauty <laughs> of Built Bar, you have the, the freedom of choice. There are so many different flavors out there that you can find the one that suits you and buy a box of that, or you can buy a mixed box where you get all of the flavors, two of each, so you can try and you can sample to see which one is your favorite. But they're not just delicious, Brian, they are also good for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories per bar, four to five grams of sugar, and four to five grams of net carbs. They're also the official protein bar sponsor of the US track and field team. And you can get them for 15% off by using our promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at built.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, we've got one more question to throw at you here. Uh, Brian, and this is the one I think most people would have been waiting to hear the answer to. Who is going to take a bigger hit with Russell Westbrook around? Anthony Davis or LeBron James? Because we know that Russell Westbrook is going to have the ball in his hands. He is going to be a much higher usage player than Dennis Schroeder, who was in that spot last year, or anyone else really they've had to pair together. We know that he is going to, let's say, um, attack the glass for his rebounds. We know he's going to get assists. Who is going to yeah, hurt there? I, we saw Davis's rebound numbers drop way off. Like Who's going to take the usage hit? Who is going to be statistically impacted the most? I actually think it's going to be LeBron, um, and I and I think it'll be Russ. I think those uh, guys yes, will Russ for kind sure. of shave a little bit off of each other. The guy that I think I'm actually increasingly optimistic about the statistical output of Anthony Davis this year. You know, we had an interesting conversation with Michael Pina from Sports Illustrated uh, earlier this week about the kind of the big three and what this could look like, and. I, the more I think about it, the more I think it is kind of designed and set up to let Davis just go out and put up big numbers. That LeBron is there, can help Davis. Westbrook is there and can help Davis. And you know, I think the rebounding might take a little bit of a hit, you know, certainly. But his efficiency is going to get easier shots around the rim, more in transition, things like that. Presumably, his free throw percentage uh, should go back up. Which I don't know what the hell happened yeah, to that, that last that was year. Weird. Presumably, that bounces back. I, I am much more optimistic about Davis's statistical output than I am the other guys in terms of predicting what it's going to look like. I would be surprised. I almost feel like if AD doesn't lead the Lakers in scoring, something isn't working the way it's supposed to. Um, and I, yeah, I, like I said, outside of the rebounding, um, I, I think it's going to be a, a it could be a pretty big statistical season for AD and LeBron. You know, taking a step back for LeBron, you know, means he's putting up slightly less than triple double you know almost numbers um you know on a permanent basis he should get a little bit more efficient as well um the guy that i think is just fascinating to figure out what his end numbers are going to look like scoring on down is westbrook 
just because there is the presence of these other guys here. I mean, you know, it's one thing to play with James Harden. It's another thing to play with LeBron and AD. It's going to be really interesting to see how Westbrook does there because in that season that he played with Harden, he averaged only seven assists per game and he was under mm-hmm. eight, eight rebounds per game. So we think about Westbrook as this guy that's stealing rebounds and assists and averaging triple-doubles. With Harden, he didn't do that. And now he's got LeBron and Davis to deal with. Um, I assume you don't expect him to average a triple-double, which I don't either. I don't, no. But do you expect Westbrook to average 20 points per game? Because I don't. No, I do not. I, I think he's probably in that, you know, it's probably close. I, yeah, I've got him at 19. Not, not, yeah, something like that. Um, and I think LeBron is around 23, 24, and you know, AD is somewhere above that. And I think part of that is by design, because I think Russ, while he, there aren't a lot of people I can say, genuinely doesn't care what you think, the royal you. Um, I do think he hears these conversations about can he change the way he plays? Can he be more efficient? Can he do? Can he take a backseat off? I think he's going to shoot less. I think he's going to take a lot of these things, whether it's performative, whether it's you know uh, however you want to define it. I just think he's not going to go at the same kind of volume that he's gone in years past. In the same way that Harden, when he got to Brooklyn, answered some of those questions about oh wait, too many basketballs by saying that's fine. I'll just shoot less. It's okay. Um, and I, I think we'll see a little bit of that from Westbrook this year. Yeah, Harden just basically said, I'll, I'll just be John Stockton then, and I'll just you know, average mm-hmm. 12 assists per game. And, and Westbrook... right, Until you need me, and then I'll put up 48 or whatever. Yep, and yeah, I, I hope that Westbrook can... Because t- my problem, and people think that I hate Russ, and, and, and I don't at all. I think he's I think he's fantastic, and yeah, he used to be one of my favorite players. But the thing that frustrates me with, with Westbrook is when you see him dribble down and take a contested two with you know, 18 seconds on the shot clock with three guys on him. You go, Look, there's no need for that. that. That's just foolishness. Like You can be a guy that attacks the room and get there but if you can't like the decision making of knowing what shot mm-hmm. you shouldn't shouldn't take has been my problem with him over recent years and if you can get that part ironed out where if you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron there and you're taking triple team fadeaway two pointers with the you know, 18 seconds left then you're going to be frustrated but if you can iron that out then his numbers are going to be fine yeah, and, and so much of this is what makes it fascinating to me is so much of this is about Russ yeah. it's about Westbrook like it's not I mean he's not going to become a good three-point shooter that's not going to happen but the rest of it is just choices that he makes and mm-hmm. then defensively like you know attention that you pay mm-hmm. you know can you cut when you don't have the ball he's you know capable of it but like it's been a while since that's been something that's asked of him uh that he really needs to do and but he's in control of most of the things that we look at and say yeah but westbrook it's not a great like he can fix a lot of it himself yeah, you can. And he doesn't. He doesn't need to become a great shooter to do it. He just needs to cut out the shots that he can't hit, and that is yeah, a lot of them. He just just don't take those shots. Like give them to other players, mm-hmm. and you know, understand your pecking order on this team. And hopefully he does it because it'll be awesome for Lakers fans and awesome for Russ uh, if he does that. But we just need to see that in action, Brian. That'll do it for us today. Thank you for coming on and talking about the Lakers with me. Of course, they can catch you and your brother over on Locked On Lakers five days a week. Uh, thanks for chatting Lakers with me anytime and that'll do it for today's show don't forget to follow this podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and on the odyssey app well if you're here on youtube give it a thumbs up leave a comment down below ring the notification bell guys we are done here thank you so much for listening everyone see ya